0: Good morning, dogs. Today's scripture reading is taken from the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verses 7 to
1: 22.
0: To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write: These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David, what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan Hold on to what you have, so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the
1: Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Emmy, for reading the scripture for us this morning. Jesus, who stands among the golden lampstands, who is present among the churches, desires to speak with his church. This is the truth of what's happening in Revelation chapters 2 and 3 as Jesus dictates these letters to these seven churches through John. It is this same truth that Jesus remains present among the churches, that Jesus still desires to speak to his church that we continue to believe is true today. So we hear these old words of God to churches that are other than ours. And as we do that, we should be seeking to hear in those words the words of Jesus for us and for our church today. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we believe that you are present with us in every place where we are right now. And Jesus, we believe that you continue to speak to your people, that you continue to speak to your church. And so we ask that as we hear these old words again, that you would bring them to life for us, that they would be your words for our situation today, that they would be your words for our church that we would hear your voice in them, and that we would learn to follow you more closely. We pray all this in your name and for your kingdom's sake. Amen. In case you weren't with us a couple of weeks ago, when we first talked about these letters in the book of Revelation, or maybe you've just forgotten what we talked about then, let me give you just a little piece of the context of the church in this time they are experiencing some pressure to adhere to the roman way of life especially of the civic religious practice of making a sacrifice to the emperor as to a god the two most common reactions that the church had to this dilemma was first just to do it just to do what's expected of them And the second reaction was to try to seek refuge among the Jewish community in their synagogues because the Jewish community was not expected to make these sacrifices as to a god, was not expected to participate in emperor worship. Both of these options, though, they both presented new problems for the church. And even churches who seemed to find a third way and not do either of these things always fell into new traps as well. One trap we talked about two weeks ago was being so proud of themselves and their right beliefs as to have forgotten the point of Jesus' love for the whole world. And so this week, as we come to the end of chapter 3 in the final two letters to the seven churches, we see some possible outcomes of finding oneself in unimaginable situations for too long. And those two outcomes are really epitomized by the letters that we heard read for us this morning. The church in Philadelphia, they've been faithful. They've kept Jesus' word and they've not denied him. But this has been costly. They have found trouble in synagogues where they are no longer welcome and have nevertheless continued to resist the invitation to simply do as the Romans expected of them. Philadelphia has persevered through trouble and trial and it is tired. It has little strength It doesn't know if it can keep going on. The church in Philadelphia fears for its future. They don't know what new suffering might yet come. They can't imagine finding the fortitude necessary to continue on the path they're on or to struggle through the next trouble. They are weary from the myriad problems of life. They're overcome by the cost of following Jesus. And that might sound familiar to you, because I know that some of you have been on the edge of burnout for some time, that you've been ready for rest, ready for a vacation, ready for a break from the one thing after another, and then wildfires in Australia underscored the chilling reality of climate change in our world. And then there was escalating tensions between the United States and Iran. And honestly, we've forgotten about those parts of this year because then there was a new virus in China. And that virus was a bigger deal than we could have imagined it would be. And then somebody you know has it. And now maybe you've lost a job or you've lost a loved one or you're really missing home right now. And all of these things don't erase the old things that we've known are problems for some time. And that we continue to long to see undone. Things like racism and sexism. Things like the oppression of the poor and lack of mercy for the prisoner. We, like the church in Philadelphia, might feel as though we have little strength for what's coming next. We might feel as though we cannot endure anymore, like our patient endurance only leads to more suffering. Then there is the church in Laodicea. Laodicea is in this exact same kind of situation, but far from having endured and wanting to keep enduring, but finding that their strength is little, Laodicea just doesn't care anymore. Jesus says that they are neither hot nor cold, that they're just lukewarm. They've not chosen a path forward, not because of their conviction that capitulating to Rome nor retreating to the synagogues will bring honor to Jesus. Rather, they've not committed to a way forward. They've not committed to a course of action at all because, well, why should they? Why should they choose between two bad choices Why struggle against things if the struggle only makes things worse? Why bother at all? On the surface, this apathy for their spiritual struggles which surround them seems to have worked. They've become rich. They feel that they don't need a thing. Why should they care for the things which threaten their spiritual well-being when ignoring those problems seems to have no effect? These people are people who are overwhelmed with everything that's happening around them and they can't see a way out of it and so they choose to do nothing. If they're going to be victims of circumstances anyway then they'll just let what's coming come and they become blind to the ways that this apathy has destroyed their spirits, caused great harm and trauma to them, brought them lower than they ever could have imagined. Despite a veneer of everything being all right. When you felt like you can't handle another and then, like one more piece of bad news might tip the scale and you just don't care anymore. In those moments, you have understood Laodicea. Apathy over what we can agree is simply outside of our control. These days, I experience this most acutely when I read the news. I find it increasingly difficult to genuinely care about the plethora of stories that all seem like bad news, that I can't change, that no decision I could make today would impact. Tuning out news, tuning out the social media commentary on the day's event, retreating as far into ourselves as possible, these things like Laodicea, we can find ourselves in incredibly difficult spots. And instead of contending with one enemy or another or daring to imagine taking it all on in some small way, we might choose instead to play dead, to become paralyzed by what is and the limit of our own capacity to meaningfully engage with any of it. So we choose to engage with none of it. So these two responses, exhaustion and apathy, they both seem like very believable outcomes for an overwhelming, complex, and painful period. And I imagine a great many of us are experiencing one or both of those reactions right now in our lives. But like we said about those other letters that we talked about two weeks ago, These letters aren't only meant to identify the problems with the church. Jesus isn't only putting his finger on the painful spot and digging it in there. Rather, these letters are meant to encourage and to challenge the church. Jesus ever and always offers good news to his church. Good news when this was first shared and good news for us today. The good news for the church in Philadelphia, whose strength is little, who isn't sure if they can make it, is that Jesus holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. What he shuts, no one can open. And Jesus has opened a door for them. No matter how little their strength is, no matter how strong their foes may be, the door that Jesus opened before them is their door to enter into. And so we might ask, what is that door? Is that door victory? Is that door their reward for their perseverance? Both, yes. But that victory and that reward is simply to be the church. This is what that image of being a pillar in the temple of our God means, a part of the new Jerusalem, a permanent fixture in the eternal dwelling place of God. Philadelphia is being promised that it will always be a part of the church. A 4th century Christian named Ticonius, whom relatively little is actually known about, he wrote a commentary on the book of Revelation, most of which is lost. But on this passage, he writes the following. Quote, he said, he had said before, who opens and no one shuts? Lest anyone say that the door of the church, which God opens in the whole world, can be closed in any part of the world. The door which Jesus Christ has opened in the world and which no one can shut is the church. Did you get that? The church is the door in the world. The church is the door in the world through which God invites many others to come in and enjoy his great feast. It is this door which will remain open for Philadelphia despite any oppression of Rome or struggle with the synagogues. It is that same door of the church which will, which will remain open for us, no matter what virus or plague may come to us, no matter how non-essential our government deems us to be, no matter if we can only gather digitally or gather in small groups or, as in some parts of the world, only gather in secret." The door of the church has been opened by the only one who can open it, and it will not be shut by anyone other than Jesus himself. What wonderfully good news for a church on its last legs, for a church with little strength and waning hope to be reminded that Jesus has established them that they cannot be overcome, that their efforts and their ministry will not be in vain, that the one who holds the key of David is holding them as well and is continuing to invite them to enter into his presence, to experience his love, to join his good work. So what about Laodicea? What about the church that Jesus was ready to spit out of his mouth? What is their encouragement? What is their hope? What is our hope when we are overwhelmed by despair and when apathy overtakes us? Their hope and our hope is simply this, that Jesus stands at the door and knocks. Laodicea is overwhelmed because they can't take on Rome and they can't find home in synagogues anymore, and the whole political religious system seemed to be against them, and there was nothing they could do to change that. And they were right. So Jesus stands at the door and knocks. Jesus stands at the door and knocks and hopes that we might invite him in to be with us. To be with us. To eat with us. To know life with us. That our troubles would not be our troubles alone, but would be shared with our Lord. And that his joys would not be kept from us, but that we would experience them as he comes in. Jesus, who holds the key of David, knocks. Knocks and waits to be welcomed in. The one who opens doors that no one can shut and shuts doors that no one can open knocks and waits at our door and hopes that we might allow him in to share our lives, to be a part of the things that we'll talk about over a meal. Jesus' promise to Laodicea, a church that is right, that there is nothing they can do, is that they don't have to do anything alone, that he will be with them if they bid him to come in. When Rome is trying to knock down your door, when there's no escaping the 24-7 news feed that invades all of our screens or the bad news that seems to be at the core of every conversation we have these days, when the troubles that surround and overwhelm and paralyze are near to us, Jesus stands at the door and knocks. He will not come unbidden. He will not add to our troubles and force his way in. But if we will open the door, he will come in and he will eat with us and we with him. We will experience a small taste of what is promised to come. And we will know some peace and some joy which will remind us of the peace and joy that is still promised to us. No matter what happens to us today or what will happen to us tomorrow or what will happen in the many uncertain weeks that are ahead. If you know exhaustion, remember that the one who holds the key of David has opened a door that no one can shut, and that your labor is secured in the continued and promised ministry of the church in this world, until that day when the dwelling place of God is completely and finally among his people. And if you know apathy, or fear in these coming in these days remember that Jesus himself stands at the door and knocks longing to be welcomed in to eat with you and to know your troubles to share with you the burdens which are too great for any of us to bear alone truly whoever has ears let them hear what the spirit says to the churches amen i'm going to invite you to a time of quiet reflection, maybe journaling, maybe prayer. And there are a couple of questions I invite you to consider whether you're feeling exhaustion or apathy or both. The first is simply, how can you continue to be the church even when you feel tired or weak? And the second question is, how can you invite Jesus more deeply into your life when you feel overwhelmed or or afraid or like you just don't care anymore? I invite you to that time of reflection now.